Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.07 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 29th day of September 2023, and this is episode... Was it 803? Yeah, episode 803 of Bitcoin, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. At first, I thought the day was going to be, you know, kind of me, simply because it didn't look like there was some stuff going on. But uh, yes, Dubrovko... Thank you. He's in the is in the zap dot stream chat. If you uh, want to ever get into the to the live stream, I generally announce that a few minutes, sometimes you know twenty minutes before, but most of the time I'm like live in five, brother. I'll announce that on Noster. I'll give you like a uh, a link to get into the zap dot stream so that you can do this live with me as I'm recording it. Otherwise, you're just going to wait until you get it on whatever podcasting app that you have. And if you do use a, if you are a podcast consumer, then you need to be using a new podcast app, not that crappy old podcast app. And you can go find one at newpodcastapps.com. That's newpodcastapps.com, where you can pick yourself up a nice, shiny, brand spanking new podcast app that does things like stream Satoshis to your favorite artist. And it goes right to their lightning wallet if they've got one set up. You can also send them boostograms. Send them messages, send them little notes. You can ask questions and you can send them Satoshis along with that Boostergram as well. It's a way to help support your favorite artists and podcasters, yada, 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 uh, without actually having to use the legacy financial system. And we all want that because the legacy financial system is basically in a death spiral. It's on fire and it's populated by a bunch of clowns. And I just, I hate seeing, you know, a plane load of clowns burning as it's crashing into the Pacific Ocean. It's sad to see clowns burning up in the atmosphere like that. I don't like it. You don't like it. Nobody likes it. So the only way to really do is to avert your eyes, buy Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin, and just turn your gaze away from the destruction that is all around us. Now... With that said, let's get into the news. Fortress CEO responds to Ripple backing out of acquisition. Yay, yay, yay. Uh, This is written by Andrew Thorvalis for Decrypt.co. Ripple has confirmed that it is no longer planning to acquire financial technology firm and crypto custodian Fortress Trust less than a month after it was claiming that it was going to do that. Quote, We've since made the decision not to move forward with an outright acquisition, though Ripple will remain an investor in Fortress, said Ripple CEO Brad Garlinghouse on Twitter on Thursday. Garlinghouse maintained that Fortress has a strong team behind it, building helpful products. Quote, While this outcome is different from 
what was originally planned, we'll continue to support them and hope to work together in the future, he added. In early July, Fortress CEO Scott Purcell was bullish on the deal, saying Ripple was by far the best partner for us and our customers. However, an internal disagreement over business priorities for Ripple caused it to hold off on acquiring Purcell's firm. Quote, They are really just focused on pure B2B and institutional global business, Purcell told Decrypt on Thursday. We were a way for them to diversify into B2B2C. Many on their team were super excited about our tech and customer base, but others pushed back to stay the current course, he explained. Purcell clarified that Fortress was aware of Ripple's change of heart prior to the announcement and that both companies maintain a strong relationship with future plans together. Just not merging. No customers are affected. This has nothing to do with our customers, he added. Ripple first revealed its acquisition plans in early September after a security incident with one of Fortress' partners gave hackers access to a handful of the crypto custodian's customers' accounts. Fortress immediately covered losses for most affected customers at that time and was fully able to cover one partially large client thanks to Ripple's help. Yeah, because they didn't have enough money. Though the incident accelerated Ripple's plans, Fortress had been in talks for a potential acquisition for months with multiple partners, including Ripple and BitGo. A Ripple spokesperson told Decrypt at the time that Fortress was seeking partners to help grow its payments business, Fortress Pay. This opportunity makes sense for Ripple in the long term, they said. After the deal was canceled, the same spokesperson for Ripple declined to provide further comment. I suspect that Fortress Trust is in big, big trouble. That's what I that's what I think. And why is it that I think it's Fortress's problem and not Ripple's problem? Even though I hate Ripple and I hate everything about it and I hate all the people that have anything to do with Ripple because I can't stand them because they're scammers, especially Brad Garlinghouse, Ripple's got a lot of money. They are not hurting, right? Even, even though you wish they were, and I, I get it, but they're not. However, Fortress probably is. They're the small fish in all this. And who is Fortress servicing at this particular moment? Swan Bitcoin. And as much as it grieves me to say that, Swan either needs to get away from Fortress Trust as soon as humanly possible, or you need to get away from Swan. Because is And it's not because I don't like Swan. I've said it before and I will say it one more time. Swan has been a good Bitcoin-only company. And Corey Clipston has always been a very good Bitcoiner. He's been pretty steadfast in what the, in the things that he said, right? He hasn't really displayed any acute uh, malice towards Bitcoin or the ecosystem or anything like that. However, his decision to take on Fortress Trust as the custodian for Swan Bitcoin customers' custody issues was a bad choice. It was a bad, and I still to this day don't understand. I know it, it would have been impossible to understand that Fortress Trust did not, that, that Fortress, it would have been impossible not to see that Fortress Trust came out of, the, of whatever their parent company was that has been 
that is now bankrupt and is a shit coin company and blah, blah, blah. It would have been impossible to see it. So I don't understand what's going on, but I'm not, I'm not going to try to put my thinking into Corey Clipston's head. Right. And I'm not going to try to think what he's thinking. Cause I don't know. I've never talked to Corey personally before, except on Twitter. But other than that, the fact remains fortress is a dumpster fire. If Ripple doesn't want Fortress, then what the hell's wrong with Fortress Trust? I mean, and that's saying a lot. You're talking about a shitty company with lots and lots of money. And they don't want Fortress Trust anymore. So they must have looked inside of what the hell's going on at Fortress and their due diligence and said, you know, no, 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 no. We don't want to have anything to do with this. So this puts Swan... This is, well, I don't know if it does. There is a potential for some very crappy stuff to go down at Swan Bitcoin because it looks to me like the custody person that they've chosen to do their custody for Swan Bitcoin customers is in trouble. That's what it looks like to me. Now, moving on. FTX, oh God, FTX is 3.4 billion dollar crypto liquidation and what it means for crypto markets. Prashant Jha, Cointelegraph. Listen to this one, guys. If you if you have not been listening to what I've been saying about the fact that it turns out that FTX does have a shit ton of Bitcoin, because at first we didn't, that we were told, you know what, it turns out that they didn't have any Bitcoin or they had such little amounts of Bitcoin that it wasn't even funny. Well, it returns out that they do have a lot of Bitcoin, and here we go. Bankrupt crypto exchange FTX has been approved to liquidate nearly 3.4 billion, that's with a B, dollars worth of crypto assets, creating a sense of panic among crypto investors, but experts say the phased liquidation schedule will ensure market stability. The FTX bankruptcy lawsuit reached a key justice or a key juncture in the second week of September after the United States Bankruptcy Court for the District of Delaware approved the sale of $3.4 billion worth of crypto assets. The court also approved $1.3 billion in brokerage and government recovered assets as part of the liquidation process with $2.6 billion in cash, bringing the total tally to $7.1 billion in liquid assets. Among the different cryptocurrencies for liquidation, Solana tops the pile with $1.16 billion, and Bitcoin is the second largest asset held, valued at $560 million. Other assets to be liquidated include $192 million in Ether, $137 million in Aptos, $120 million in Tether, $119 million in XRP, $49 million in Biconomy Exchange Token, and $46 million in Stargate Finance, as well as $41 million in Wrapped Bitcoin and $37 million in Wrapped Ethereum. Bitcoin, Ether, and Insider in affiliated tokens can only be sold after giving 10 days advance notice to U.S. trustees appointed by the Department of Justice. The court also permitted hedging options for these assets. The allowance for hedging is significant because FTX can use various financial instrumentations such as futures, options, and perpetual swaps to offset the losses. 
the ruling drew industry-wide attention due to the significant amount of crypto assets approved for sale, with many questioning the potential impact on the crypto market. Joshua Garcia, partner at Web3-focused legal firm Quetzal, told Cointelegraph that determining whether the liquidation was the right decision is challenging. He said that bankruptcy courts have to focus on what is good for creditors, and creditors may not care or may care more about the recovery of funds rather than the potential slump in the price of the assets being liquidated. Quote, whether or not this decision impacts the token prices is perhaps not the court's primary concern. The potential or imagined market impact may mean nothing to a judge or creditor's committee if it doesn't make creditors whole, at least in the eyes of the court. The concern here is millions of users suffered substantial losses due to FTX's actions. Making victims as whole as possible is the top priority, In quote. The discovery of billions of dollars of liquid assets also relieved many creditors in the case. Blake Harris, an asset protection attorney, believes unearthing liquid assets can be a game changer in the FTX bankruptcy case. He told Cointelegraph that the newfound liquid assets could offer more flexibility in asset management, allowing for a strategic approach that balances immediate legal requirements with broader market implications, adding that the discovery of such assets could provide some relief in terms of meeting immediate financial obligations, but it's also essential to consider how these assets will be managed moving forward to prevent similar situations in the future. Market analysts predicted that Solana and Aptos prices have the highest chance of facing price volatility after liquidation based on each token's daily trading volume. The bankruptcy court has taken measures to ensure that the liquidation of FTX assets won't become a burden on the crypto markets. The court order permits FTX to sell digital assets through an investment advisor in weekly batches in accordance with pre-established rules. Galaxy Digital has been entrusted with liquidating the assets and maximizing returns for FTX's creditors while ensuring market stability. The court also permitted FTX to utilize staking options available through their qualified custodians using their respective private validators if the debtors determine in the reasonable exercise of their business judgments that such activities are in the best interest of their estates. In the first week, there will be a $50 million cap on the sale of assets followed by a $100 million cap in the succeeding weeks. The cap can be increased up to $200 million per week with the previous written consent of the creditors committee and ad hoc committee after court approval. Anthony Payne Bianco, a commercial business litigator, told Cointelegraph that legally, a court may permit a debtor to liquidate its assets outside the normal scope of business in order to maximize the value from the sale to repay creditors, adding, quote, the interesting part is that the court took an additional step to look at the general marketplace for the assets it is granting liquidation of. That is, the court is looking at protecting both creditors and non-creditors of FTX by the manner in which it has ordered the liquidation process, end quote. He highlighted the different liquidation strategies for BTC and, e and, <coughs> and ETH. He said the court-approved hedging arguments or arrangements for Bitcoin and Ether are subject to certain investment guidelines, adding that the court did not include Solana in these eligible assets for hedging arrangements, likely because of FTX's large position in Solana. All three appear to be eligible for staking arrangements, again, with oversight, end quote. 
Among all crypto assets held by FTX slated for liquidation, Solana became a major point of discussion owing to the $1.1 billion of the asset on the bankrupt crypto exchange's balance sheet. According to market analysts, people considering a short position should be wary of the unlocked position of the tokens held by FTX with a complete unlock in 2028. So that's kind of a ways off. Looking at FTX's sole staking unlock schedule, a significant chunk of these tokens will slowly make their way to the market via linear Vesting or scheduled unlocks until 2028 with the largest unlock scheduled for March of 2025. Most of the SOL or SOL is locked in staking contracts. The linear vesting program offers a simple mechanism to gradually release a token balance over certain periods. Currently, only 24% of the total $1.6 billion dollars in sole tokens have been unlocked apart from solana aptos tokens are also 100 percent locked and will be unlocked in phases over the next few years in its own analysis coinbase crypto exchange said that the scheduled and phased liquidation will keep the market stable noting the strict controls in place for selling certain insider affiliated tokens and a major part of FTX's SOL holdings locked up until around 2025 due to the tokens vesting schedule. While many experts state that markets are more or less safe amid the FTX liquidation, the exchange's saga is far from over with former uh, CEO Sam Bankman-Fried's legal team sparring with prosecutors for special conditions ahead of the trial, which he's not going to get. But here's the real, here's one of my major questions in this entire thing is that it turns out, as we saw, that for the last quarter, Michael Saylor has just been buying Bitcoin. And it makes me wonder why he didn't wait. Because I know he, it's not like he doesn't know what's going on with FTX. It's not like he doesn't have a team of people watching all things and telling him what the hell's going on. It all. It is also not like he doesn't have at least a couple of those people looking specifically at the potential of picking up cheap shit out of the FTX crash and burn. So why isn't he waiting a little bit to buy Bitcoin? Or does it matter for Michael Saylor? Is he like, I'm just going to buy Bitcoin all the time, no matter what? Because he was selling stock to buy this last batch. How's he going to buy this next batch as it becomes unlocked from this whole FTX thing? The other thing that is of, for me, kind of concern is that it's like these people are treating the uh, crypto markets, and I use crypto in quotations, uh, like a baby. They don't want to mess anything up. They don't want to just dump it on the market. They want to have these phase liquidations so that as this liquidity becomes released onto the market, that it doesn't crash the markets. Now, I don't think that they really give a shit about the health of the actual markets. What they're doing is they're making absolutely certain that as they sell these coins and liquefy them into USD, which is exactly what they're going to do, they're not going to give the creditors Bitcoin or Solana or whatever. They're going to liquefy all that shit into USD and then they're going to give the dollars to the creditors. Right? So don't think that it's going to be any different than what I just said because that's how they're going to do it. As those coins come up for sale on exchanges, it's going to put negative price price pressure 
on everything. So they're phasing it, right? So they're not going to crash the market because they really need to get as much money as they can. So they are treating the markets as fragile because they know that they kind of are. And that's what concerns me. And am I going to lose sleep over it? No, but I mean, you got it. This is this, this, these are real signals coming from legacy financial minds as to how they actually view this particular world of crypto trading. They don't feel that it's solid. And this leads into why we don't have decisions about spot Bitcoin ETFs and all that kind of stuff. Because it is kind of fragile. Because liquidity shock, you know, shock liquidity events happen at a at much more a pace than they do in the legacy financial markets. It's just the way it is. That's just where we are right now. Not saying that it will always be that way, but I am saying that let's not get too big for our britches and realize that we are really small fish. And I can tell because they don't want to spook these markets by just dumping everything all at once. But we've got other fish to fry. Three Arrows Capital, Suzu, has been arrested in Singapore. Repeat, Three Arrow Capital's CEO, Suzu, has been arrested in Singapore and he's cooling his heels in a jail cell. This is uh, Cointelegraph. It is written by who? But none other than Anna Paula Paria. I think is how you pronounce it. The co-founder of Three Arrows Capital, Suzu, was arrested in Singapore while attempting to flee the country. Cointelegraph has learned from Taneo, the joint liquidator of the bankrupt hedge fund. In a statement, Taneo announced that Zhu was apprehended at Shanghai Airport whilst attempting to travel out of Singapore following a committal order granted by the Singaporean courts against him. A committal order is used to send someone to prison for contempt of court. On September the 25th, Taneo was granted its committal request in Singapore, claiming Zhu failed to comply with the court order. The investigation is related to efforts to recover funds for creditors of Three Arrows Capital. The $10 billion hedge fund collapsed in 2022 following the implosion of the Terra ecosystem. 3AC, or Three Arrows Capital, had excessive leverage on long positions across some cryptocurrencies and borrowed hundreds of millions of dollars from crypto lending protocol. Since its failure... Co-founders Zoo and Kyle Davies have been on the run from liquidators, although very active on social media. The committal order granted in Singapore sentenced Zoo to four months imprisonment. A similar committal order was granted against Davies, said Taneo, quote, As a result, Mr. Zoo will be held in prison to serve his sentence of four months under the committal order, during which time the liquidators will seek to engage with him on matters relating to 3AC, focusing on the recovery of assets that are either the property of 3AC or that have been acquired using 3AC's funds. The liquidators will pursue all opportunities to ensure Mr. Zoo complies in full with the court order made against him for provisioning of information and documents relating to 3AC and its former investment manager during the course of his imprisonment and thereafter and may make applications for further court orders as required, end quote. Davies' whereabouts remain unknown. <laughs> Jesus, Kyle. <laughs> Poor Kyle. <clears throat> the Monetary Authority 
of Singapore prohibited Zoo and Davies from conducting regulated investment activities for nine years each. So Zoo's going to be cooling his heels just on the committal order for four months. That is not his whole sentence. That is just his contempt of court sentence of four months. At first, when I read it, I literally did think that it was like Zoo got four months for all of his stuff that he had committed. No, 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 no. That's just because he was not complying with the court. He was found in contempt. Teneo said, I want a committal order. They got it from the court. That sentence is four months in prison. Then he's got to answer for everything else. They can't find Kyle Davies. That son of a bitch probably wasn't dumb enough to go to an airport. He probably got on a boat. And this is what I don't understand. Hardly anybody watches the shipyards. And unless you're going to buy a ticket on a cruise line that is going to go to Australia or something like that, they're pretty much not watching. You could have rent. I mean, there's ways to rent, you know, rent a larger vessel and sail to a different country and then hide out that way. than trying to use your passport to get on a plane in an airport it is the most watched place for fugitives on the planet is any airport in the world and yet this is where you go when you're trying to run i don't know man i think these people are relatively stupid but yeah whatever gemini is going to halt operations in the netherlands by mid-november uh, this is a coin telegraph, lots of stuff from coin telegraph today, written by David Atley, New York headquartered crypto exchange. Gemini has decided to quit the Netherlands following in the footsteps set blah, blah, ah, ah, footsteps of crypto giant Binance. The company cites its inability to meet regulators requirements, but says it intends to return to the Dutch market in a letter to its Dutch users on September the 26th. Gemini asks them to either withdraw their assets or transfer their assets to another wallet address as the platform will suspend its operations in the Netherlands due to requirements imposed by De Nederlandse Bank on crypto exchanges by November the 17th. The letter states, quote, we kindly ask you to GTFO. No, that's not exactly what they said, but they're saying, get out, get out, get out. Gemini suggests that users transfer their funds to the local crypto exchange Bitvavo, which is registered with the Dutch National Bank. Launched in 2018, Amsterdam-based Bitvavo is a member of the Dutch Association of Bitcoin Companies. Gemini intends to return to the Dutch market after getting its business in order with the new rules on crypto assets as set out under the markets in crypto asset regulation or MICA. So they were not, what's going on here is that Gemini is just getting out because they can't, they're just not ready to handle MICA. And they had every opportunity to get all of their ducks in a row and they didn't. And that's Gemini. That's the Winklevi twins. Even they can't get their house in order. I got the, the, the CEO of Three Arrows Capital, one of the largest crypto hedge funds that there was, can't figure out not to escape via an airport. I got the Winklevi twins that can't figure out how to come in compliance with MICA and has to shut down operations only to promise that they're going to reopen later on. It's like this entire industry is run by idiots. You, no wonder people point and laugh. These are the guys, I mean, and thankfully, 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 all of the people that actually know what the fuck they're doing 
is working actually on Bitcoin, not starting a yield farm, not starting a bank, not starting a goddamn crypto exchange. No, they're working on the protocol. They're working on Nostra. They're working on Lightning. They're working on actual fucking Bitcoin. And they're just done with the legacy markets. And all the people that are still there that swear up and down that they're hardy-ass Bitcoiners are not. They're just legacy financial bros doing legacy financial bro shit and getting their ass handed to them at every corner. How is it that you had, you knew Micah was coming. You knew it and you couldn't get your shit straight in order to keep your operations in a country because of it. The WTF man, WTF. And again, Thankfully, the smart money is actually working on stuff like Lightning Network, like these guys. I brought them to you yesterday. I'm going to bring them to you again today. Lightningnetwork.plus. Understanding Bitcoin Lightning Network forwarding. Okay, so if you've ever wondered how the forwarding through the Lightning Network actually works, I think we're going to get a crash course from Lightningnetwork.plus. Bitcoin's Lightning Network is a remarkable innovation that enables instant and low-cost Bitcoin transactions. But beyond simply sending and receiving payments, one of the essential functions within this network is forwarding. Forwarding, a vital cog in the Lightning Network machine. In the Lightning Network, payments often traverse through multiple nodes before reaching their intended destination. This process is known as forwarding. Rather than a direct connection between the payer and the payee, payments take a route through several intermediaries, leveraging existing payment channels. Imagine Alice wants to send payments to Zoe, but they don't have a direct channel between them. If Alice has a channel with Bob, and Bob has a channel with Carol, who in turn has a channel with Dave, and Dave has a channel with Frank, and Frank has a channel with Zoe, then Alice can forward her payment through Bob, Carol, Dave, and Frank to get to Zoe. Each hop along this path requires a node or the nodes in question to forward the payment onto the next node, essentially moving funds from one channel to another to another until it reaches that final destination. Only public channels participate in forwarding on the Lightning Network. When a channel is created, it can be designated as either public or private Public channels are announced to the entire network and are listed in the network's directory. This means any node can see them and use them as potential routes for payments. On the other hand, private channels are only known to the two parties involved, and they will not be used by others for forwarding. Forwarding isn't done for free, however. There are fees associated with it, and the two uh, main types of fees are the base fee. This is a fixed fee that a node charges for every payment it forwards, irrespective of the payment amount. And then there's the fee rate. This fee is proportional to the amount being forwarded. For example, if a node charges a fee rate of 1,000 PPM, or parts per million, then for every one Bitcoin it forwards, it will charge 0.001 Bitcoin. The total fee for forwarding a payment is a combination of these two fees. Different nodes can set their own fees, leading to a competitive marketplace for routing payments. I'm going to pause there because it's not 
It's not different nodes. I mean, I could set my entire node to have the same fee rate, both base and the fee rate, the the base rate and the fee rate, right? I could set that, but I have to do it through every single channel. So every channel you can set a different fee rate and a base and a base fee for, right? So this is more channel based than it is the node. Now, if I set every channel on my node at the exact same fee rate and the base fee, then yeah, the whole node has the exact same rates, but you don't do it by telling your lightning node that you, that this is what every channel is for me on uh, Ride the Lightning and I believe Thunderbolt, I have to do that in every channel. So just be aware of that. So here's the reasons why a forwarding request may fail. And this is what causes failed payments. In the intricate dance of forwarding payments through the Lightning Network, not every request goes through smoothly. There are several reasons why a forwarding request might fail. One is insufficient funds in the channel. Two, The channel capacity. Even if the funds are available, a channel might not have the required capacity to handle a larger payment. Payments on the Lightning Network cannot exceed the capacity of the smallest channel in the route. You can have a fee mismatch. If the total fee required by intermediaries is more than the fee provided by the sender, the forwarding request can fail. There could be a channel closure. If one of the channels in the route gets closed while the payment is in transit, the payment will not go through. Route unavailability, well, the Lightning Network tries to find the shortest and cheapest path for the payment, and if no route is found that can handle the payment size, or if all possible routes are exhausted, the payment will fail. There could be node unreliability. If one of the nodes in the chosen path is frequently offline or unstable, it can lead to payment failure. Here's one, HTLC limits. The Lightning Network uses hash, excuse me, hashed, time-locked, contracts for secure fund transfers. There's a limit to how many concurrent HTLCs a channel can have. If this limit is reached, the channel cannot forward any more payments until some of the current ones are settled. Time locks expiry. Payments in the Lightning Network are locked for a certain time duration to ensure security. If the payment isn't completed within the time frame, perhaps due to long routes or slow nodes, it will fail. Privacy concerns, well, some nodes due to privacy concerns might reject payments that originate from or are destined to certain nodes causing a forwarding failure. So here's your strategies to maximize earnings on a node if you want to participate in the forwarding ecosystem of Lightning Network. If you are running a node and you want to maximize your earnings from forwarding, consider these strategies. Optimal channel balancing. Regularly monitor and balance your channels. If a channel is imbalanced, for example, most funds are in on one side or the other, it may not be able to forward many payments. Using tools and services that help in rebalancing can be advantageous. However, if you have a channel that always forwards only one way, balancing may not be necessary and even disadvantageous. Check each channel individually and see what kind of behavior they demonstrate. Competitive fee settings. Set your fee at competitive rates. If they're too high, users may opt to find cheaper routes. If they're too low, you might not make it a worthwhile well, not make a worthwhile profit. Monitoring the network's average fees can guide your pricing. 
Strategic Channel Openings Open channels with well-connected and active nodes. This increases the chances of your node being in the path of payment routes. However, large nodes are already well-connected, so you are competing with other channels that can handle the forwarding already. Smaller nodes could be a good source of traffic, especially if they are operated by active economic actors uh, like stores, payment systems, etc. Uptime is critical. Ensure that your node is online and reliable. If it frequently goes offline or is unstable, it's going to be, well, it's going to be a shit show for you. By understanding the intricacies of forwarding on the Lightning Network, one can better appreciate its decentralized and dynamic nature. Whether you're a casual user or a node operator looking to maximize profits, a deep dive into forwarding reveals yet another layer of LN's innovative approach to scaling Bitcoin. If you have ever wondered what the hell's going on with forwarding, I hope that does clear some things up for you. Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. I got uh, West Texas Intermediate is down almost a point to $90.83. Brent North Sea is down scant to $95.32 a barrel. Natural gas is up scant to $2.94 a thousand cubic feet. And gasoline, however, really rocking it down to the low side. $2.30, or no, I'm sorry, 2.33% to the downside to $2.44 a gallon. I don't know where they're finding this gasoline uh, to uh, get into the uh, markets, but apparently somebody found a bunch of gas that they can sell on the market and it's pushing the price down. Gold is down half a point. Silver is down 1.3. Platinum is up two-thirds of a point, as is copper. Palladium, however, is down 1.72%. Everything in agriculture is getting rocked to the downside. Biggest loser today is going to be corn, 2.15% to the downside. And there's nothing in the green. It's all in the red, guys, including live cattle, which is down one and a quarter. Lean hogs are down almost 5%, and feeder cattle are down just over one. Dow is down half a point. S&P is down a third. NASDAQ is down scant. S&P mini is down one quarter of a point. Real money is also down from yesterday's highs, $26,854. We've got an average transaction value of 0.87 BTC. Median transaction value is 110 bucks. Block times are high, 10 minutes, 17 seconds. 0.2 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis. And 27.6 taken in fees overall in the last 24-hour period. We have a 6.21% drop in hash rate, bringing us down to 409.7 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Doge, 6.2 United States pennies. I got a $523.7 billion market cap. That is 4.15% of gold's market cap. If you so choose, you may purchase 14.3 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,499,199. 0.29 BTC, 4,405, oh no, 4,400.5 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at 118.2 million, being run over 15,392 nodes, sporting 64,148 payment channels. We're losing nodes, we're losing channels. I can only, I don't know what's causing that because that's a, there's a sizable chunk of nodes that just kind of been disappearing. 
I don't know if Amazon Web Services are having issues. Where I, I don't know what the hell's going on, but there seems to be a lot of nodes that... I just can't see that many node operators just one day waking up, not talking to each other, just going, you know what? Today, I think we're just going to kill my node. I just don't see it happening. So I don't know what the hell is going on there. Mempools, what are mempools doing? Well, we're going to find out here. It looks like they're, yeah, mempools are getting low. Uh, we're carrying a mere 171,000 unconfirmed transactions in 80 blocks waiting to clear. Uh, 29 Satoshis per V-byte is going to be your high priority transaction fee. Low priority is 16. Anything under two is going to be purged from mempools around the world. And hash rate, according to mempool.space, is 436.5 exahashes per second. Do with that what you will. Now, <clears throat> for Boostagrams, Dubrovko with 17, nope, with 1170 says, the law must change to allow CBDCs. Oh, please, will somebody think of the children? Also, we have taken another small step into the they will fight you stage. Yeah, no shit, bro. Jory X McKee was 666. That prism thing is pretty cool. Unfortunately, my iOS Nostra client experience hasn't been all that great lately, and I don't have a lot of time for staring at desktop screens. I understand. Pies with 500 says the cash tag boost prism sounds very cool. The lead news is extremely upsetting. Again, agreed. Pies with 500 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. Steve B with 421 says, not your keys, not your rug. And God's death with 370 finishes us out with thank you, sir. No, thank you. And that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. I'll start this one off with Blockworks. Valkyrie ETF to unwind ETH futures position, at least for now. They just announced it yesterday. No, not the unwinding part. No, 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 no. (laughs) They announced that they were going to start doing it. And now they're saying, well, we'll get into it. This is Blockworks written by Ben Strack. A day after Valkyrie Investments became the first to offer other futures or Ether futures exposure in an ETF, the crypto focus firm is getting rid of these holdings. Yeah, no shit. At least for now, the Valkyrie Bitcoin Strategy ETF will not purchase Ether futures contracts until the effectiveness of an amendment to the fund's registration statement contemplates the addition of Ether Futures contracts to the principal investment strategy of the fund, Valkyrie said in a Friday filing, quote, until such time, the fund will unwind, unwind, unwind any (laughs) existing positions in Ether Futures contracts. A Valkyrie spokesperson did not immediately return a request for comment, however. Valkyrie had filed with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission in August to change the investment strategy of its Bitcoin Futures ETF to one that also allows it to invest in shitcoin number one futures. A firm representative told Blockworks Thursday that BTF began adding exposure to Ethereum futures contracts, noting that the new investment strategy was set to become formally effective on October the 9th. The fund is set to be renamed the Valkyrie Bitcoin and Ether Strategy ETF that day. 
Bloomberg intelligence analyst James Seifert said that in an ex, well, a Twitter post on Friday that Valkyrie's latest filing could indicate that the SEC asked the firm to reverse its ETH futures position until the official effective date as competitors also prepare ETFs with such exposure. Quote, the SEC does not want to be a kingmaker via their policies and will do whatever they can to prevent someone from launching on their own like BITO in September 21, Seifert added in a separate Twitter post. The SEC did not respond for a request for comment. Seifert is referring to the ProShares Bitcoin Strategy ETF or the BITO. The first Bitcoin futures fund to launch in the U.S., which hit the market in October of 2021. Though similar products by Valkyrie and Van Eck launched in the following days, BITO, or B-I-T-O, gained the lion's share of assets into these types of funds, quickly amassing $1 billion in A assets under management. Van Eck, ProShares, and Bitwise have submitted updated prospecti over the last 24 hours for their owned ETFs that invest in shitcoin number one futures contracts with expense ratios ex- uh, ranging from 66 to 95 basis points. Bloomberg intelligence analysts said that they expect these funds could go live as soon as Monday. Van Eck posted a video on its Twitter page Thursday in tandem with a press release teasing the upcoming launch of Van Eck Ethereum strategy ETF. The company declined to comment further. So, Vanek and all, all this whole, honestly, this whole thing, the Valkyrie Vanek shit, getting into shitcoin number one, is is disturbing because they should know better, but they don't. That's just that's just the long and the short of it. They just don't know what the hell's going on anymore. And remember what I was saying about legacy financial bros? Well, Kraken, same thing, man. Because they're going to start trading the stock market on their Kraken platform. They were just crypto only. And then they, well, they were just Bitcoin only. And then they added shit coins. And now they're going to add legacy stock financial instruments. Yay. Kristen Lipsik, I guess is how you pronounce it. CryptoPotato.com. Kraken is one of the oldest crypto exchanges on the market with over 12 years being active in the field. And they will reportedly expand their horizons and begin offering stock exchange trading services for the first time in its history, an insider claims. According to the confidential source who spoke with Bloomberg, the exchange is also working on its prime brokerage services and will launch a qualified custodian service aimed at institutional investors. When released, the custodian service will be run separately from the exchange to avoid risking commingling of funds. Kraken is currently waiting for approval from the state of Wyoming to launch. Although no tentative date has been proposed for the custodian arm, Kraken's new stock exchange trading service, rumored to be named Kraken Securities, a name which should give Gensler quite an earful, (laughs) should be launched sometime in 2024. Kraken Securities will be a zero commission service in order to attract as many new and existing customers as possible. Similar services have seen success in recent years, with Robinhood observing an influx of new traders and neobanks like Revolut sparking the interest of customers who probably would not have gotten into stock trading otherwise. Once the service goes live, eligible Kraken users will be prompted 
to sign up for the service. And if they do, their entire portfolio across all investment avenues will be shown in a single integrated balance. Thank you, Anon, for your 21 sat zap. Currently, the firm has reportedly applied for a broker-dealer license from the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority in the USA and has already received the green light from its UK counterparts. The reports of Kraken Futures' upcoming launch will likely boost the company's numbers across multiple fields. So Kraken, Kraken is going to start selling stock like Robinhood. See, this is the kind of this is the kind of crap that we I really don't like seeing this stuff. Because it kind of looks like they're going, you know what, I'm just a, I'm tired of crypto. I'm tired of Bitcoin. I'm tired of, you know, servicing the industry which gave me all the money that I have. It's just like, you know, it's not I wouldn't say rats leaving the sinking ship. They're just whores. They're just whores. I mean, that's all this is. It's just legacy financial bros. They don't care about anything. They will service anybody. They will be on their knees in the back alley for anyone as long as they get money for it. There's no there's no ethical nature about these people. Trusting them, you're taking your life into your hands. Don't trust them. All right, here's Epic. Epic Games... Uh, video game manufacturer of some repute is laying off 870 staff members citing unrealistic metaverse ambitions, Cointelegraph. Uh, Wow. Epic Games, the company behind Fortnite, has slashed 16% of its workforce, about 870 staff, after unrealistic expectations of metaverse-inspired revenue caused it to spend way more money than it was earning. Quote, we concluded that layoffs are the only way and that doing them now and at this scale will stabilize our finances, wrote CEO Tom Sweeney in a September 29th memo sent to Epic Games staff. Quote, I had been long optimistic that we could power through this transition without layoffs. But in retrospect, I see that was unrealistic, Sweeney added. While Sweeney credited the company's recent growth to the Fortnite creator program, which allows players to build and sell their own content in-game for a 40% cut, the shift has resulted in lower margins. Quote, success with the creator ecosystem is a great achievement, but it means a major structural change to our economics. In quote, in addition to the aforementioned layoffs, Sweeney said another 250 employees would also be leaving Epic Games as the company announced it would be selling the recently acquired music website Bandcamp and spinning off its marketing company Super Awesome, a child safety tech firm that joined Epic in 2020. Notably, soon-to-be former employees of Epic Games will be offered six months of pay, and those residing in the United States, Canada, and Brazil can expect six months of paid health care as well. Aside from Fortnite, which boasts some 200 or no, 400 million registered users, Epic Games also runs the Unreal Engine. The video game development suite powers titles such as God of War, Player Unknown Battleground, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, if you know anything about the Unreal Engine, uh, its powers, you know, probably about a quarter of all video games, if not a third. It's a kick ass engine. 
And there's a reason that Unreal Engine has been driving video game growth for the last 20 years. That's how long Unreal Engine has been around, at least 20 years. But here's the issue. It, this whole thing, we'll go back up here to the top where Sweeney says, um, we concluded that layoffs are the only way and that doing them now and on this scale will stabilize our finances because he was spending way more money on this loopy idea of the metaverse. And did he have to pay the price for it? No, he did not. 870 people plus another 250 people, they're the ones that have to pay the price for it. Am I calling for unions? No. Am I calling for communism? No. Am I calling for socialism? Only in the sense that you should be at least fucking socially aware enough to understand that when you tell somebody you're going to do something, you should probably do it. Instead of saying, you know what, I made a mistake, but instead of me getting the ass, you know, my ass handed to me for it, it's going to be your ass handed to you. All right. That's just being socially responsible has nothing to do with socialism. It's just don't write checks that your ass can't cash. And when it can't cash it, at least have the dignity and the strength, the spinal cord and the ball sack to be able to take the hit upon yourself and stop firing people because you screwed up. Fire yourself. Fire yourself. You're the one that made the mistake. You're the, the buck stops with you as the CEO of Epic. Yet you screwed up so soundly that a th- over a thousand people have to be let go, basically. You know, it's again, it's this kind of legacy financial bro shit that makes everybody. This is what gives capitalism a bad name to all the socialists and communists and all the people that all the wannabe assholes out there that are like, look at how capitalism is blah, blah. And then you realize that the way that they get paid is because of capitalism. I'm a capitalist brother. I'd make no bones about it. I am 100% a capitalist. I will remain a capitalist. All I have to do is not get to the point where I'm spending more money than I'm making and then cause it to be somebody else's problem when I figure it out. That's all I got to do. That's all anybody has to do. But do we do it? No, 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 no. We fire a bunch of people and then they start, they like start hating capitalism. And then people that read the news reports, they hate capitalism. And then they think that they're going to be, everything's going to be fine with communism, not realizing that we've tried this shit again and again and again. And the only thing that happens is that people starve and then they die and they either die of starvation or they die because they get shot in the back of the head and thrown into a ditch and then covered with lie. That's how communism runs. And it's not like we don't have multiple pieces of evidence that tell us exactly how it failed. I hate these kinds of people that give capitalism a bad name. Pablo is not one of them, though. Pablo F7Z says exit.pub 0.3 is out with reliability improvements, satellite CDN support, and uh, its own exit.pub relay. Until now, many relays were rejecting the backdated events, like when you port your older stuff over from, from Twitter. If none of your relays accepted any event 
exit.pub would not give you any feedback. If you clicked publish events and nothing happened, this is what was happening. Ah, okay. Thank you, Pablo. I appreciate that because I think that that might be what's going on here. I have properly handled this now so that you know what's happening as well as added uh, its own relay, relay.exit.pub that will allow for these imports. If exit.pub sees that your relays are all rejecting your imports, it will suggest that you use this relay. Um, exit.pub will now show you exactly which relays have accepted each event. If a previous run of exit.pub has failed midway and you have, quote, some events imported, you can re-import those tweets. Uh, your events will not be duplicated even if you imported previously without satellite CDN. And now you can use satellite CDN. The previous event with the Twitter hosted images will be deleted. So check it out at exit.pub. Again, if you want to bring in all your old tweets from uh, <clears throat> Elon Musk's new site, you can do so with exit.pub. That is E-X-I-T dot pub. From our good friend and capitalist, Pablo F7Z. What else do we got here? Uh, Mazen on Noster says, almost done with a long-term event retention relay. Looking for feedback. What would you change? All right. Pausing to say that because Pablo shipping what Pablo ships, you know, the whole exit.pub and potentially backdated events, a lot of, like, like you just heard, a lot of relays were going, uh-uh, no, 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 not backdating shit. Well, even Mazin picked up, heard that siren song and has created his own relay. He says, you add sats to your pub key balance on his site. You send notes to the relay, no created at limits, uh, upload data as old as you like. As our relay receives your notes, it will charge your balance a prorated annual fee per note. The notes are stored and indexed by the relay as well as automatically being backed up and available for rapid export at any time. Authorized delete requests are always honored and not charged. This relay will be available publicly for anyone to add their Nostra client and query historical notes. So it's going to be more than just a reaction to Pablo. Being able to query historical notes is something that I've found has been lacking in the relay system of Nostra. After a while, guys, old notes just fall off the system. And Sure, you can get mad about it, and but w- just understand something. If you're one of the people that get mad about that something that is brand new, that is potentially earth-shattering and humanity-changing doesn't work the way fucking Elon Musk's X works and you're pissed about it, then you can go sit on my two middle fingers and spin because I'm tired of changing your fucking diapers. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of listening to people on Noster tell us how, oh, but see, Twitter's just, it's just bigger. It's just better. And that's why nobody's going to come to Noster. Good. Good. Because it will be their data that gets swept up by the IRS, the CIA, the FBI. It will be them that says the wrong thing that will get shut down. It will be them that says the wrong thing and get their bank accounts shut down. It'll be them and not me. And I'm fine with that. And for all the people that just absolutely refuse to see any potential futures 
because they cannot look past the present, then I say, fuck you, go sit on my two middle fingers and spin until you die. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm sick of the babies, the whining, the diaper changing, the diarrhea, the spit up, the pacifiers. I'm just done with all of the baby shit. Grow up and figure out where your place in the future is. Otherwise, you can sit there in the present and remain there for all time until death calls for you. Because eventually it will. And you'll go, shit, I didn't even try to look into the future. I didn't even try. I didn't even try to, to do this. I didn't try to do that. I didn't do anything. I just sat there and told people who were forward-looking that they were idiots. And I hope at that moment, at the very end of your dash, between the date that you were born and the date that you're about to die, that you figure out what a folly that was. Stop telling me that Noster and Bitcoin and any of these technologies that only seek to free mankind from the shackles that we've been chained by for fucking millennia is stupid. It is not. The only thing that is stupid are the people that refuse to see the future because they cannot look past the present. I hope they all have fun burning in the clown show that is hell. Now, OX chat version 1.2.1 beta voice and video calls have been well they're here apparently no bullshit bitcoin tells us more OX chat is a secure chat built upon the Noster protocol it prioritizes privacy with features like private key login encrypted private chats and contacts coupled with an open communications platform through public channels available on iOS and Android Quote, excited to announce the release of 1.2.1 beta. Bugs are to be expected. We appreciate and welcome your feedback. So what's new? Voice and video call capabilities, children. Voice and video has been added to OX Chat, Introducing a light-themed user interface. It's been expanded to 30-plus language settings. Language now, or sorry, messages now support reply and mention features. Included zaps, record, and notifications for zaps. Uh, Expired time options added for creating secret chats. Improvements to startup performance. Blah, 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 blah. You can read the rest of the announcement, I suppose. But that's all you need to know is that now you can call somebody through OX chat utilizing the Noster protocol for all of those people that are sitting in the present wishing that they could only have two, two Twitter accounts so that they can suck twice as much of Elon's private parts. You're missing the future. You're missing all of it. You're missing it. You're missing it. You're missing it. I need you to stop. I need you to stop it. At least experiment. And if you find a problem, instead of wailing about it, tell the developer in clear and insightful language what you have found so that you can help actually fix the problems that you find instead of crying and whining like a little bitch. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't mean to be this, you know, upset about it, but for God's sakes, it's like every day I'm running across people that have no hope and we've, there's nothing but a whole basket full of tools that are here to provide hope. 
And they still won't take it. They still won't take it. I, I, I guess we're going to be down to a feeding tube of freedom at one point or another. But be that as it may, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, all right, all right. I have a joke for you. It is Friday. Gotta be Dad Says Jokes Day. When I was just a little kid, I used to pray for a bicycle. Then, as I grew older, I learned in Sunday school that that is not how prayer works. So I stole a bike and prayed for forgiveness. Yuck, 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 yuck. All right, guys, if you want to support the show, Podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. Go get a brand new podcasting app, a nice, shiny, brand spanking new one from newpodcastapps.com. That's newpodcastapps.com. Stream me Satoshis, give me Boostergrams, and that way you too will be able to listen to really cool stuff like this. Thank you everyone for being here tonight. Um, To close out the evening, we have Bobby Shell. He's going to be performing a original... And uh, I think it's going to be very tasteful for the crowd that we have here. We heard some of you are based. You have traditional families. And uh, you believe in sovereignty. So everyone who's on the fringes and not for that, um, you might be one of the clown world people. So, uh, Bobby, take it away. Wake up in the morning, salt and pepper my eggs. I got my rib I cook. That's the life that I live. I hate the city traffic. Outskirts where I sit. Grocery store, I ain't about it. Shopping farmer's market. I'm living base. I ain't basic. Raw sauce, no poison I'm tasting. Homegrown. Riz blazing. Speaking truth on the beat. Got the whole world praying. Lord, bring back the good life. Why these politicians losing it? Act right. Wife and two kids sitting quite nice. Life is so great when you got yourself a trad wife. Yes, Lord. I got the good life. Let these politicians know they better act right. Wife and two kids sitting quite nice. Life is so great when you got yourself a trad wife. What up, freaks? The beat is beefsteak. Supercharged with the flow, all gas and no brakes. I live at this pace. I thrive in the face of any challenge. Just lift your hands and pray. Lord, bring back the good life. Why these politicians losing it? Act right. Wife and two kids sitting quite nice. Life is so great when you got yourself a trad wife. Yes, Lord. I got the good life. Let these politicians know they better act right. Wife and two kids sitting quite nice. Life is so great when you got yourself a trad wife. Don't forget the first thing before breakfast. One, two, three, gotta get a bench press. Never skip a leg day. Nah, little princess. I don't cut corners for my sons. I never been wrecked. Oh my gosh, is that the sat slinger earning 99% on Wave Lake, the cash bringer? Listen, cash is trash and I'm the beekeeper. The cyber hornets are out, a Noster believer. Wake up in the morning, salt and pepper. Up my eggs. I got my rib I cook. That's the life that I live. I hate the city traffic. Outskirts where I sit. Grocery store, I ain't about it. Shopping farmer's market. I'm living base. I ain't basic. Raw sauce, no poison I'm tasting. Homegrown. Riz blazing. Speaking truth on the beat. Got the whole world praying. What up, freaks? The beat is beefsteak. Supercharged with the flow. All gas and no brakes. I live at this pace. I thrive in the face of any challenge. Just lift your hands and pray. Lord. Bring back the good life. Why these politicians losing it? Act right. Wife and two kids sitting quite nice. Life is so great when you got yourself a trad wife. Yes, Lord. I got the good life. Let these politicians know they better act right. Wife and two kids sitting quite nice. Life is so great when you got yourself a trad wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got myself a trad wife.
This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.